I feel like there's a stigma as women founders that we have to show that we're incredibly strong and we're made of steel and there's nothing that can phase us. But that's not true. We are human beings. We have feelings. We go through stuff. And the way we go about it is what is important. From the Advancing Women in Tech podcast, this series on female founders highlights their unique ways of stumbling into the startup world, the companies they're currently building, and what they've learned along the way. I'm Marissa Loren, and today we're talking with Diana Muturia, a former housekeeper that's changing the cleaning industry with Clean, an app that connects you to housekeepers and cleaners you can trust. Diana immigrated to the United States and began pursuing a degree in mathematics. She was four years into her degree when she had to drop out due to lack of funds. But little did she know, this hiccup in her plans was just the beginning of her story and what would later become her startup, Clean. I came here when I was 18 years old from Kenya and um, I went to school for math and mechanical engineering. During that time, I was you know, cleaning houses to afford my $200 math books and my first winter clothes. And my last year of college, my math advisor looked me in the face and said, you don't seem to look like an engineer. And my scholarships and grants went away and I found myself homeless cleaning houses. And so I looked around and I saw other cleaners who are having the same challenges as I did. And I was like, I'm going to do something about it. And so that's where my founder or entrepreneur journey kind of kicked in full force is it was more of a place of survival and understanding like I can't go back to school because of the mentality that I had, which was taking in what that person said, which was false. And so I had to figure out a way to make it happen. I was the only one in my family here in the United States and the one who's made it this far. So there was a lot of pressure of figuring it out, and that's where it started. Did that cause you to drop out of school hearing that comment? Um, and how did that affect you? How did that affect your you know, education, your choices? Honestly, I did not want to drop out of school. My story is not like a Mark Zuckerberg story where I just wanted to drop out. Oh, I have a great idea. <laughs> um, it was more of... You know, scholarships and grants really did take me through school. My parents were not in a position to cover my tuition, especially from shillings, which is Kenyan shillings to dollars. And so I was constantly writing letters for grants and scholarships, and that's what took me through school. And so when that went away, there was no way for me to afford school. As an immigrant, as an F2 visa, you don't even qualify for FAFSA. So everything has to be through scholarships, grants, or out of pocket. And when that went away, my education, my chance for a higher education went away too. So what did you do then? What was your next steps? Yeah, so I cleaned houses since college. So I would say from my first year of college all the way to when I dropped out. So I would say four years as I studied in, uh, outside, outside of being in school. And then in 2015, that's when I founded Clean. 
when I was like, huh, this is an idea I think I can run with. The idea was to help cleaners get connected with more businesses. Um, so funny story, quick segue. Uh, I, when I was cleaning houses, I was doing it in Texas. And then a friend of mine, a close friend said, how about you come to Phoenix and you can take the couch. And so we gathered up $42 and I took a one-way ticket to Phoenix where I'm at now. And when I was couch surfing, I found a book in, in, in the house and I took a pen and I wrote my name. I said, my name is Diana and I can clean your house and here's my phone number. And I was praying to God that my phone, my phone is not cut off because I didn't pay my bills. But I wrote it so many times and I chopped it into pieces and I shoved it into every single door in that same neighborhood. And that's how I started getting uh, jobs. My first interview was this little old lady and she interviewed me for probably 30 minutes. And she was like, yeah, we got that. And that was the first job that I got in Phoenix. And I was like, hmm, I've not seen other cleaners do this in this neighborhood. Maybe I can help them in some way get more businesses to referrals and all that stuff. That's how I really, I was like, okay, cleaners are not getting enough jobs, obviously. So how can we connect them to more people? And how can those people refer them to more people? Um, so that's how cleanup, you know, ended up becoming something. Okay. And you said you started it in 2015. So what was that pivotal moment that you're like, you know what, now is the time that I'm going to work on this. And how did you support your working on it? So we created a prototype, or I created a prototype. And uh, I created a re really nice video of it. Um, a friend of mine from who was staying in Kenya was like, hey, I see what you're doing. Can I make a really awesome video for you? I have I have the expertise. I was like, yeah, sure. And he made such a great video. It's on it's on YouTube about my story. It was literally just a prototype. It wasn't a working app. And remember, I, I had a math background. I did not have a programming background. Right. So I tried to use contractors four years in a row, and I failed four years in a row. To build an actual web app, or was this like um, wireframes and a prototype, like a click-through prototype? Yeah, to make an actual app. So I had prototypes that I taught myself how to do, but I wanted to create an actual app that works. Um, it did not work out four times. And so in the pandemic in 2020, I was like, I'm just going to sit down and learn how to code and just figure it out. The, the world has stopped. I'm just going to figure it out. Um, so we made the first version one, I guess, 0.5, honestly, was such an ugly app. <laughs> And this was one that you coded yourself. So you taught yourself to code and you built your own app because yes. what were you doing before that? What, how, how are you creating your prototypes and what was, was it, what was it like learning to code just to build your app? It was a lot of self, self teaching. Mm -hmm. um, I found some resources online that would help me learn JavaScript. Um, I stumbled upon Xamarin. Um, I got to understand what stacks are just really basic stuff when it comes to coding and programming. Um, and it kind of helped me kind of gauge what the heck was going on. Because before, when I was using contractors, I did not know any of those things. So I did not know a great developer. I did not know what that would look like. I did not know how to communicate with them, which was actually very important for them. 
And so like through that process of learning how to code and understanding like what's going to be the most important thing for my app really helped me understand those mistakes that I was making and also understand what type of developers I want in my team. I hear a lot of advice that if you're going to be building or, or running a tech company, building a tech product, keep familiar, familiarize yourself with tech. Um, and with coding and at least like understand the, the fundamentals um, mm -hmm. because it can be very difficult to communicate with people. You don't know if like what you're getting is correct, um, but it's just harder because not as many women have been encouraged to, you know, go the technical route. Um, and so it is, I, I found, you know, that we have to teach ourselves. We have to you know, figure out, especially if we don't want to do a, a boot camp where you're expected to get a job afterward, if you're mm -hmm. coding to be a founder. So props to you. I'm, that's really amazing and inspiring. You built your first version. What did you do with that then? The very first thing that I did was I had my first developer. Um, and I said, Ezekiel, um, I don't have much. I'm cleaning homes. And I'm not able to afford having you on full time, but I do need help with this. And he was so happy to jump on and say, listen, uh, when we were introduced to you, we understood what you were trying to do. We know that you've tried to do this for a long time. I'm in. And just having the first person who's joining being so um, ingrained in what the vision is was such a blessing. Um, and so he took it on, um, and with another help, we're able to get the first version out. Um, I think the, the biggest thing was the backend. I had no idea how to go about backend and he was specialized in it. So it was, it was just great timing. And so how long have you guys been working together? Oh my gosh. Since I want to say 2020, he's our CTO now. Well, congratulations. That's amazing. And what is that relationship like with your developer, your lead developer? Um, I would say it's like we're literally tight on, tight on the, to the hip. Um, I think uh, I, I'm just saying this is one of the things that I'm really, really happy that I did was being familiar with technology side, the coding side, because how I communicate with him is very important and how he communicates with me is very important. Yes, there are a lot of things that are also important like temperament and being on the same page and all that stuff. Um, but also un understanding each other in two different paths is something that is huge. Um, you, you can see this in all kinds of relationships. If you're not on the same page, there's no way to move forward. And so I think that was the biggest thing that just learning how to communicate with each other and having the, the space to understand each other when we're not communicating correctly um, has been really awesome for our company culture. So with the technical size of things in place, Diana and her team could focus on what would set them apart from their competitors. She could focus on the housekeepers she'd be serving. How I was going about it is a lot of our competitors are putting all their effort on the customer side. And I realized that that's not how to go about it. It's actually putting the cleaner first. Because if the cleaner is doing well, the cleaner has the tools that they need, 
then it's so much easier for them to cater to their clients, their customers. And I also apply this too with my company just in general. But so I put myself in the cleaner shoes as I've been. And I said, what would the cleaner need in order to gain three other jobs without being overwhelmed? Okay, they would need this and this tools. Okay, so let's start with adding those tools. So for example, it would be payouts. There are too many ways for the cleaner to ask for pay. So it could be Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, Zelle. Um, and if the cleaner does is not familiar with that technology, then they don't get paid soon. Also, the time that it takes to pay those cleaners was really just ridiculous. And so we're like, okay, we're going to have faster payouts and we're going to automate those payouts under one app in one platform. And so that helped the cleaner not be stressed out about money um, and be paid automatically as soon as they're done, they're completed with their job. Another thing was cleaners were not able to organize where they find their customers. So there were too many places like landing pages for those who are more advanced. But most cleaners are using text messages. They were getting phone calls. They don't know if it's a telemarketer or it's a customer. They don't know if the customer is serious or not. Um, they don't know if the customer is shopping around. And that's also very stressful for the cleaner. And so we automated that too. And we made it in a way, the workflow is in a way that the cleaner would not be bothered unless the customer is actually interested. And so what would that mean for the customer to be interested and be serious is that they know what's going on. Most of the time, customers don't know what's going on. They don't feel like they have the control. Um, and so we said, how do we make the customer feel they have more control? Okay, to get an estimate before they commit so they understand how much they're paying to have autonomy, to know what they want to be cleaned in the house. They may want just to have laundry done, or they may want their rooms to be cleaned and the kitchen, but don't touch the living room or vice versa. And so providing that to the customer to a place where they're so comfortable to actually commit is something that we added in the workflow. So by the time they customize their cleaning request and they know how much they're paying, once the request is sent, the cleaner knows that it's a serious customer. Um, and most of the time, they, the customer doesn't cancel on them because they've actually taken the time to know, you know what they want and how much they're going to pay. That is a lot of understanding of your customer, both sides of your customers, because you're working in a two-sided marketplace. Very yeah. difficult. How did you go about both understanding what each side needs? I, I imagine a lot of it was your personal experience, but then mm -hmm. acquiring both sides of the marketplace, both customers, both the cleaners and the homeowners who wanted their houses cleaned. Right. So I just started at like, just like any other scrappy founder. I went to my friends and I said, hey, what would it take you for you to get a cleaner for your home? Um, are you a clean person in general and you don't need a cleaner? Um, and if you, if you are not, how, how, how often would you get a cleaner for your house? Um, what's the price point that would make sense for you to have a cleaner? Um, so just asking those basic questions. And then most of the time when I provide that prototype that I talked about and said, okay, so I added this to the prototype and this is how I think it would work. How do you feel about it? And getting that 
you know, that feedback and say, oh, you know what, this would be actually cool, or I don't care for this, or this is genius. Um, and just gauging with what those customers are saying or potential customers were saying really helped us navigate through what we want to build. Because you can build something and no one would care for it. But if you take the time to actually understand what people want by talking to them, it will save you so much time and resources. Okay, amazing. And then how did you find the maids for the platform and find the, the homeowners? Yeah, so customer acquisition on the cleaner side was really telling my story. It's incredible how much people can relate to you if you're just vulnerable enough. Um, I feel like there's a stigma as women founders that we have to show that we're incredibly strong and we're made of steel and there's nothing that can phase us. But that's not true. We are human beings. We have feelings. We go through stuff. And the way we go about it is what is important. And so sharing my process, sharing where I was, made a huge difference because um, as much as my story is impactful, it's not that unique. There are a lot of cleaners who are going through the same issues that I was, and no one was talking about it because of the stigma of like, oh, I don't want to be that person. And someone just sharing it made the biggest difference for them. Um, so I wouldn't say it was, you know, paid ads. We tried that before, didn't like it. It was really about just being vulnerable and saying, hey, I'm making something for all of you guys. And I really like your feedback. And this is how I'm going about it. Does it work for you? That's what really made the difference in acquiring cleaners. What were the channels through which you reached them? The basic channels that we had, um, Facebook at that time, Instagram, LinkedIn, and then it quickly evolved to podcasts, to interviews, to blogs. And that's how cleaners just found us. They are constantly looking for, you know, people who are doing the same thing to get some, some clarity in their business. And so these are just things that they search for. And we ended up just being part of what they're searching for. Right. And you, you hit on something so important, which is that women in business and founders are expected to be like iron tough, not show any emotional, you know, baggage yeah. or cracks because women have a already a stigma against them um, for those kinds of things. Um, so, you know, where have you gotten your support for your journey, both mentally, spiritually, financially, like what, what has been your main mode of support and how you have um, dealt with that kind of stigma of like, we're, we're humans, we have emotions. It's a really yeah. tough, one of the toughest things to build a company, mm -hmm. to be a founder, even to come mm -hmm. over, you know, to a new country by yourself, support yourself financially. Mm -hmm. How have you found support and what has that been like? I would say the first thing was just finding material online um, that I could relate to. Um, so it could be through Instagram, it could be through uh, YouTube, it could be through Facebook, uh, at that time at least. And just finding those communities, uh, groups online. I would say also AWS has come in really well with providing that community. But a lot of people don't have that, that access still. So I would say local groups that you can relate to. There's so many and so they're looking for you as much as you're looking for them. 
you just gotta try, you know work on looking for them um i would also say also putting boundaries you know you can be around the most amazing people but once you go home once you go back to your environment is your environment good is your environment helping you thrive or is it tearing you down is it making you exhausted so as much as you are finding great groups and great communities to be a part of also creating those boundaries even though it's even with by yourself around yourself what are your what are you saying to yourself that's hindering you from you know being the, your best friend um so yeah definitely finding communities online communities locally but also setting boundaries which is the most important thing above all that's diana muturia of clean spelled c-l-y-n thanks for listening we'll catch you in the next episode